This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Now it's time to enter into a world of innovation, a world of human struggles, heartbreak, and achievement. And most of all, a world of wonder. Welcome to CT Startup. Welcome to CT Startup. This is Dave Bernard from Martha Kalina, and with me today is... Eric Francis from Trifecta Ecosystems. And yet again, we have another fantastic guest. We have John Fiorella from Record Me. John, how are you doing today? Hey, man. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Record Me. Such an interesting name. Is record.me or record me? Oh, so it's recordme.co. Oh, okay. C-O. Okay. Yeah, because we're techie, and that's the cool, trendy thing to do when you can't afford dot com because somebody else owns it yeah <laughs> <laughs> you get creative <laughs> so yeah so what do you guys do so record me we built a box we invented a box that allows us to capture studio quality recordings of live events anywhere in the world for a fraction of the price of a traditional studio we say that we're actually building the world's first globally distributed recording studio Mm, okay. Now, if I remember, that box is connected back to your studio, right? It is right now, yep. The goal is to connect all the studios in the world uh, to all the event spaces and all the performances in the world so you can be anywhere and have anything recorded anywhere. It's almost like blockchain of recording studios because you get a little piece of the time of a recording studio and you get to... <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that plus more, actually. Uh, we published a paper with AES... Uh, last year, specifically talking about how the blockchain incorporates not just the recording itself, but the value network and the value that's exchanged between uh, artists and musicians and their listeners and fans. So yes. Nice, so, nice. So how does this work exactly? An, art, an artist uh, wants to use your box to record an event. Yes. They contact you? Yep, so they can reach out to the website. Uh, all our social medias are at recordmeco. Uh, feel free to do Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and I don't know, what are the other ones? Uh, Facebook. Google. Google. Go yeah, pretty much every, yeah, right. everywhere you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we have a Google Play. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, what, what's, the, what's the Google social network that went? Uh, yeah, Google Plus. Oh, Google Plus, yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, long story short. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, paint a picture in the mind of the listener, if you listen in. Don't close your eyes if you're driving. Okay. If you go to a, an event, let's say a football game, where the New York football giants are playing, of course, the greatest football team in the world. Uh, and you walk past this li Wait, <laughs> what's the pause there? What's the problem? I mean, I mean, I mean. <laughs> we're, 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 we, we, may, we may or may not be Giants fans. Oh, podcast over. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So uh, you're going into this game, or concert, whatever you want to call it, and there's this uh, white trailer sitting outside the venue. And inside that are people. They're really smart, techie people, kind of like your engineer right here. And they're moving knobs and mixing buttons, and there's these big, fat cables that run into the event. That's like a broadcast truck. Yep. Okay, so imagine if you were a giant, you could come in and just grab that truck and squish it down until it was like a two-foot cube. And then you add video communication so that the people on the outside of the box can see and talk to people inside the box and vice versa. And that's essentially what Record Me is. So we're that giant broadcast truck uh, in a small enough size that we can ship it anywhere to any venue, to your house, to your home, to, to uh, where your band is playing. And you can see and interact with the engineer, wherever that studio is in the world, and they can go ahead and give you a studio recording of whatever it is that you're putting into that box. 
music or a conference speaker it doesn't matter so is it so you're you're literally just plugging in or is it just taking up all the audio in the room so we tell folks all you got to do is plug it in and turn it on we're actually taking the high-res uh, full-wave audio from each track that's coming off either the sound console or on the stage uh, artists can plug directly into the box uh, kind of like a giant direct box mm -hmm. uh, which they would typically know how to do um, and then in addition to that, we also have live microphones so that you can just walk up to the box and say to the engineer, hey, I'm not getting anything out of channel 12 or whatever it is. And they can talk back to you and say, that's because you didn't plug it in. Oh, you know? like the wireless mics kind of a thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So could one, could like we were just at a conference, right? Yeah. So in uh, multiple different rooms. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of, oh, these presentations, we're going to record them and put them up yes. online and everything like that. Would you just need one box for, one the, box. Enti for the entire conference? Well, it depends. If you had more than 128 rooms going on at the exact same time, no, you'd need two boxes. More than 128 <laughs> rooms. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, that, that basically, so you had 128 different mics could be plugged into this box. Yeah, per box. Yeah. Um, but, however, to make it easy to ship... Uh, we ship in a much smaller uh, box that usually has 16 inputs and 16 outputs and can run 32 or 64 uh, over like a USB cable. So okay. depending on the console you have at the front of the house, um, you could actually just run a single cable out from the console to the box, or you could put the box on stage and have every band member plug in their microphone into the box and then take the output from the box and rug it into the venue snake. What, I don't get the feeling this two-foot box weighs like four tons, <laughs> like nobody could yeah, actually right. lift it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a problem with our early boxes. They were very heavy. Even the ones we have now, uh, we're getting ready to ship uh, a box out to some folks that do videos out in California mm -hmm. um, uh, to kind of do a demo sort of thing and of a live performance. Uh, you know, in a tour box, a tour grade, something will go on a truck and come on and off. The, the, the case itself is 50 pounds, you know, two-inch thick foam around all four yeah, corners. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the insides are another 30 or 40 pounds, so it's, it can get kind of heavy. So well, that's why you have roadies for, you know. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so this is great for the artists because they uh, save themselves the expense of having sound engineers on site as well as some equipment costs, I assume. Uh, so the value proposition is assuming that if you're doing a show, there's already going to be some people there doing your sound for you. Yeah. Um, what we actually offer in addition to the hardware is a service. And the service allows musicians and other content creators to monetize recordings that they are going to make of their venue for more money than they would uh, four times as much as they would make if they were signed to a traditional record label, for example. So what we tell a musician is here, go to our website, order a box for your performance. We'll actually create a landing page you send your friends and your family to to pre-order that recording. Once you hit 25 pre-orders, we'll provide the box for free. We'll do all the mixing and engineering for free, and we'll distribute the recordings to all the people that pre-ordered for free, and then we'll pay you for each recording that gets sold. Wow! Right. <laughs> so, so I guess that you're you're basically you're you're going after artists that don't have the labels. I guess you're just saying. Yeah. I guess the, the interesting thing is that why wouldn't if they have a record label, why yeah. wouldn't they? Um, already, why wouldn't that be underneath their contract? Right. So, <laughs> like, uh, so we're uh, going to talk uh, about uh, a couple uh, things with that. So, <laughs> so the so the first thing is is um, to get onto the label. Uh, record labels are a lot like venture capitalists, right? They're really, you know, working for their fund or their brand or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're going to sign 10 artists and they're going to put them out there and they're going to hope that one of those artists makes back the money mm -hmm. for the other nine. And then, of course, they cut the ones that aren't making money as soon as possible and yeah. they bring on new ones, right? They're making these bets. That's not good for the artist. That's good for the record label. 
um, in order to get on a record label, you sign away the rights to your content, right? You're giving it away in exchange for them to try and hopefully make you famous, and then most people don't make it. Uh, and then that just expands and grows. So your favorite artist that makes stuff that you know you connect with uh, gets signed to a label, and all of a sudden they have to become a little bit more mainstream because they got to be able to move a little bit more recordings, and they got to expand their fan base because mm-hmm. they got to grow. Uh, and you start to lose that personal connection. That happens all the time, every day, with every band that tries to make it. Uh, and we see the world a little bit differently. Um, we are looking for what we call a value for value model. Uh, we didn't come up with it on our own. Uh, no Agenda Show uh, podcast is uh, Adam Curry, John Dvorak. They talk a lot about this model of saying we exchange value differently. We're not creating a consumable like a major record label or Spotify. We want everybody to just consume, consume, consume. We want to create a direct relationship between the artist and the fans that love and support the artist. What Record Me allows them to do is people that would never be able to afford a broadcast track, would never be able to uh, spend money to keep going in the uh, studios and recording album after album. They have a way to capture the live events that they're performing, and then they have a way to be supported directly by the fans that love them, so they don't have to give away their rights. They don't have to worry about getting hooked up to a record label that may or may not drop them You know, as soon as they're underperforming. They can continue to create the art that they're good at and the art that their fans resonate with and continue to be supported directly uh, from those fans. I think say it would be kind of cool. I mean, you know, I certainly grew up in an era when uh, bootleg recordings were popular. You know, somebody brought a, a tape, a cassette sure. tape yeah. to a concert <laughs> and uh, recorded it and then made copies of it and spread it around. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you'd have bootlegs of, of, you know, a concert. You'd be like, oh, did you hear this particular set? And you know, I think uh, I think it would be great. You know, I still go to concerts. I love concerts, and and it'd be great to have a recording of a concert that I went to. Absolutely, you yeah. Know? There's something because now you're not just buying, you're not consuming some content, but you're actually buying a memory, a moment, something yeah. you experienced. Uh, one of our advisors is Janet Furman. Uh, she started uh, and grew a, a music hardware company. Usually, if you go into a studio at the top of the rack where the power conditioners are, they have her name on the top. Well, she got her start doing remote recording for a band called Grateful Dead uh, with a guy named Jerry Little Garcia. Band. Little, little band. band. A little band. A little band. People may know. And as we know with the Deadheads, right, um, they know what, you know, the second week in October of X year yeah. recording was. They trade it. They love it. And they're fanatical about that. It's not because um, they just want to consume music, but it's because, you know, maybe they were there or maybe they, that's the one that they missed mm-hmm. or that was the solo that just like resonated with them. So that community that exists, and you mentioned blockchain, right? Um, We're not like blockchain weirdos, but we understand the idea of creating value between folks that experience something and the folks that they're supporting happens in in a similar sort of fashion. Mm If, but just putting your, your, just talking about blockchain and everything like that, you are a weirdo. Mm. You know, you're on the fringe. <laughs> it's okay. You know, I only have one minor, so I I'm only partially a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so so it's actually funny. Like my uh, my brother-in-law, he's he loves the dead, uh, oh, goes yeah. to fish. You know, does, does the baker's dozen and you know that whole thing. And uh, he right, he has uh, live recordings of again bootleg live recordings mm-hmm. of some of these. Um, Ones that he he saw in the '90s, right? Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. So that that is there. Um, what's interesting to me is that you you're what you're really talking about, like the exchange of value, mm. is you're talking about Kevin Kelly and, and the thousand true fans, and you know, like an artist, an artist nowadays. Like I think it was Amanda Palmer, right? She, it was Amanda Palmer the one that did the Kickstarter, um, the big Kickstarter. Yeah, like I think, I think so. she was the first one. But um, it's more about like you if if an artist, if a musician has a thousand people that will always pay for their new thing. 
they 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 can sustain their life. Absolutely. Like we, there's yeah. there's no reason why. You know, mm-hmm. like so if they're if they're, if you're just saying, hey, listen, just pay twenty dollars for this live recording, and you do that again, you have a thousand true fans, and you do that two three times a year. Yeah. Again, you you you're living the your lifestyle. Yeah. So and you're creating the content that the people actually want to receive in the first mm-hmm. place. Uh, we look forward to a day where bands can't aspire to be national acts because there's no way that they could hold meaningful relationships with that many people. They won't be able to tour and support their local fans because they're going to feel a disconnect. And they recognize that uh, the regional area where they come from is where they have the most support for the content that they're actually creating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And well, th- that's the other thing too, is that you know, when you're talking about being a musician, I'm, I'm not a musician. I, uh, my, my history with uh, being a musician is that you, you try out for like when you're in like fourth grade for like all the things. Everybody <laughs> wants to be a drummer because it's like the easiest <laughs> thing, and you know only three people get to become a drummer, so you get rotated in. I was a tr- uh, I played trumpet for two years, and then I think one day the band instructor said, "Hey, I think you should try trombone." Ah. You know? <laughs> and so and so I'm I tra- you know trombone, then. and then it was like, oh maybe French horn or maybe baritone, like less and less kind of notes basically. Yeah. And I was like, I think I'm done with this, right? <laughs> um, but if if again. If you're a musician, if that's what you want to do, I mean, making $100,000 a year, that's making it as a musician. You know, living, uh, like paying your bills and, and doing... Paying and, your bills. Well, well, and, yeah. and I, well yeah. living your life. Like, like that's, that's, that's making it as a musician. It's not getting famous. It's not like... That's a whole different thing. And so I think what's coming back to it is that, again, you can, you can make... You know, it's like the Gary Vaynerchuk kind of thing. It's like, if you're really passionate about something, you can make $100,000 a year doing that. You know, it doesn't matter. So it's just interesting that that's that's where you're going with this. You're trying to empower those musicians to to get to that fan base where they're sustainable, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's a very cool idea. And uh, so, how long has this been going on? Uh, we've been working on it a couple of years. Um, we basically came up with an MVP, minimum viable product. Uh, we rolled it out. Uh, we let a school try it out, and then every school in the district wanted to use it. We knew we were on to something, um, but we had to go back and redesign some hardware. In the meantime, we participated in some accelerators. Uh, we were one of the winners of the Valley Venture Mentor Accelerator, and we participated in uh, one of the finalists for the Reset Accelerator. Um, we just had new hardware come out uh, only uh, last quarter. Uh, those are those big boxes that we're kind of talking about. And um, <laughs> funny story, we, we broke Facebook, or I, I guess I should say Facebook banned us for a day, um, I guess because they thought we were Russian bots. We uh, posted on a, a particular page, and we said, hey, we want to you know, offer these recordings up, and we're just looking for some folks who might be able to use it. And so many people got back to us that I started, you know, messaging them back and forth. And I guess I looked like a bot. So they shut me down. They said, you're sending <laughs> too many messages. And it was like slowly, too. So first I was doing like Capacha, And then like the Capacha got harder. And then I had to like keep doing the same, you know, find all the signposts. And they do it like eight or nine times. And then they just said, no, you're done. So um, <laughs> you're saying the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing. I just I was reaching out to, you know, people said, oh, yeah, I want to do this. You know, hook me up, whatever. So, um, you know, we have. Over 40 music, uh, engineers that are waiting to use the hardware on a waiting list. We uh, you know, are going to at least try to deliver the first 20 uh, artists that connected with us over the last few weeks, and we're shipping a box out uh, huh? next week. And the artists uh, ship boxes back to you when they're done with them? Yes. Yeah, so ultimately for us, the, the killer right now um, as we scale is shipping costs. So we actually try and do it like a regular tour. So we, we try and get the box to ship from location to location to location instead of having to come back to Connecticut each time. Um, but ultimately, the goal is for a musician to be able to support, you know, their regional tours that are going on. So they just take the box with them, throw it in the back of the van, and go from. Venue well, that's to venue. what I was thinking. Is right, like if they already have the van and they, it's just another piece of equipment. Right? Yeah, and so if you're a venue, you can have this box installed, you know, just sitting in your rack. 
and you can just offer it to every musician that comes by, uh, and we can work on arrangements where the venue maybe gets a percentage of the sale, um, as long as they're able to guarantee at least you know twenty five recordings. And twenty five recordings is not a lot if you get a you know hundred or hundred fifty people at your show. Yeah. That's that's interesting. So, how has your experience been building out the company? What's it been like in the ecosystem? And <laughs> challenges you faced? Apparently none. <laughs> Apparently no challenges. It's been no, an easy cakewalk, right? Obviously. Oh man, <laughs> building a startup is hard. You know, especially when you don't know what you're doing. I mean, everything you do is three times as hard uh, because you have to do it once and you have to fail and you have to do it again and be like, dang it, I did the same thing and I failed again. Clearly, this is not going to work. And then you have to find people smarter than yourself and ask them how to do it. Uh, it's it's been difficult, uh, but it's also rewarding. You know uh, the difference between uh, building something yourself, um, or you know pushing a button over and over again. You know for forty years of your life until you get a you know some sort of pension retirement. Um, at least for a person like myself, uh, that's fulfilling to who I am. Uh, some people are are great at just you know punching a clock and and doing their thing and going home and and leaving it all. Uh, to be with their family, and I get that, uh, but I'm just not that person, so I need this challenge, mm-hmm. but it's very hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's sure. very difficult. Now, have you, have you seen any... So you're based in Connecticut, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, so have you seen any barriers to this ecosystem? Have you seen, have you seen it been difficult to kind of uh, get to the people you need to? I mean, I assume... You're t- I mean, your, your business is well outside of Connecticut, right? It's not just in Connecticut, right. so yeah. there's probably industry players who do, but... In this ecosystem, has it? Have you seen? Have you had any barriers put up? You know, in front of you. It's incredibly difficult. Um, well, so when you think about music and you think about uh, supporting companies that make it in music, you don't think about Connecticut. You know, you think about L.A., maybe Nashville, uh, and then from there, maybe some of the metropolitan yeah. areas. Uh, no, we're outside of New York, so that's not too bad. Um, but there's just it's there's so much noise. It's it's hard to um, it's hard to connect with folks that understand and know exactly what you're doing. And that was one of the struggles we had, you know, with some of the local accelerators is that there's people that are musicians and like music, but, you know, VC firms around here don't really see music companies make it, let alone make it big, right? Uh, So that's been a little bit difficult. Uh, We just got connected with uh, music, uh, music tech something uh, on Twitter. They're music tech fest. I don't know. They're based out of New York City. Uh, and we got a chance to go down there. Uh, I think we'll be pitching uh, later this month Great. or next. Uh, but it was the first time that we were surrounded with a community of people just like me. Mm-hmm. Right. So usually when I explain to people what we do, I tell them, you know, we're building a globally distributed recording studio. We invented this hardware. And, and then I spend the next five or seven minutes of the conversation explaining what that actually means. But for the first time, I found these people and I just said, oh, we're building this box for, you know, tweet communication, high res audio and video. And I said, oh, OK, so what are you doing with it? It was like they just knew. And you're like, oh, my goodness, this is what the world could be like, you know, maybe if I was in Nashville or uh, L.A. Nice, nice. So, so do you, um, I guess, where, w- what's the next step for your company? I mean, do, is this a company that has to be outside of Connecticut? I mean, because, I mean, we've talked to some that have moved out. Um, yeah. Is, and if, if you're saying that you need to be around, like, those industry people, you yeah. know. Well, the good news is, is that my family's in Connecticut, uh, we're building a, a life here uh, with my parents and my siblings, uh, and this is home. So I have no need to leave here, um, but it just means that there's different challenges for actually building uh, a global company that's mm-hmm. headquartered in Connecticut. Yep. Um, I guess I should explain, when we talk about building a globally distributed recording studio, right now we're just shipping a box back and forth, but ultimately we don't want to be the ones doing all the recordings. Uh, you know, We have these engineers signed up for the service and these partner studios we're partnering with. 
ultimately we want to allow any studio in the world so that you know you can stay with your family and or the region that you grew up with in the middle of Ohio where you know it's really affordable to build a small mix room you don't have to compete like you would in New York City against you know these major studios to still be able to do what you love to do mm-hmm. um, that can happen anywhere so as long as the internet still exists we can continue to grow out a network and it doesn't really matter where we're located personally so you're gonna have all these different um, uh, recordings that need to be mixed and you're gonna basically sub those projects out or it's kind of like the uber right you yeah. have you instead of drivers you have mixers yeah yeah exactly. sound recorders yeah yep. yep. okay. people can just check in uh grab a mix do the mix down check out uh and you know we talk to these students coming out of uh, universities where they're learning about mixing and they have no idea what the heck they're gonna do right mm-hmm. so they're getting this knowledge and then they're faced with a hard decision right do i go into a place that's population dense where it's incredibly expensive per square foot to build out you know i get the isolation mm-hmm. that i need and i have to compete against all the other studios that are in a location, population dense location, uh, albeit there's more people technically that I can try and reach with my advertising, or do I go back to where it's really affordable, you know, back where I came from, where there's no way that I'm going to be able to support a studio with my income, but I can at least build yeah. a studio affordably. Well, the good news is that they can use Record Me, and it doesn't matter where they're located, we can go ahead and we can just keep shipping them work, and they can keep delivering that work and doing it in a place that's comfortable for them. What's the uh, turnaround time? Somebody records an event, they send it back to the engineer. How long before you produce a recording that you can ship to people? Well, the uh, engineer's live in the box itself, so we can essentially turn around in real time. Um, But because of the value proposition that we're giving, which is these people have already pre-ordered for the recording, uh, we don't have to push it that quickly. So, you know, a day or two or three is usually fine for the artist. Wow. That just seems very quick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does, right? Yeah, it doesn't have to take long because... um, the guy's We're, doing it on like live, wait, right? There, so, so, so some of the drawbacks to recording at the venue itself, you know, first is that you need that broadcast truck because you need the isolation, you need to be somewhere else. The board mix is never going to be mixed right. You know, you're not going to have any low end because there's just a ton of low end in the room. Um, the two track in the back of the room is just not going to sound good, and you're certainly not going to be able to multi-track uh, mix. So once you take all that audio out of that space, then all of a sudden you're in somebody's favorite mixing environment. They have a comfortable chair. They know what their speakers sound like. They know what the room sounds like. And, you know, you don't, you know, some of these guys are so talented with their ears. They just, they just start mixing and it just it sounds beautiful. And it's essentially like they're mixing a live show, but in a controlled studio environment. What we say is that uh, the Record Me is uh, 98% the quality of a full inside studio mix, but it's just at a fraction of the price. So, and again, that's why we tell people that what you're purchasing isn't even just a quote-unquote studio mixed recording, but you're, you're purchasing an experience that you were at that just sounds phenomenal. That's, that's very interesting. So I guess, where are you at right now? Are you looking for new artists? Are you looking for a certain type of artist? Are you looking for a certain type of conferences? I, I know you kind of mentioned a few different type, kind of customer segments. Yeah, so, so we're focusing right now we're t- uh, just specifically on musicians. Uh, they're playing out. Uh, they're performing, you know, once every couple months or so. Um, they have at least enough fans that they can support, you know, those pre-orders of at least 25 recordings. Um, where, you know, anybody can go on to any one of our uh, social sites, at uh, RecordMeCo, and they can go ahead and they can book the hardware, and uh, we'll set up a page for them uh, right now, today. <laughs> Very cool. So all those Connecticut artists out there that are uh, looking to, uh, you know, get a, a live recording. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we just started doing some videos, uh, put them up on YouTube to demonstrate the quality difference, so you can actually see now uh, what it looks like when a band is just rehearsing in the room with a two-track or a you know camera just recording it, and then versus what the multi-track audio does, 
and uh, we're certainly open to doing that. We were exchanging uh, a mixed uh, video, music video essentially, in exchange for bands, uh, higher profile bands, uh, to be able to get their video put out on YouTube, and then they get the free mix song and they can do whatever with. So I guess we could still continue to offer that. But, you know, we have so many people lined up and waiting that it's really about just trying to optimize. Uh, excuse me. And we're trying to connect with Connecticut bands first. Mm-hmm. So even though we have a list of all these bands in other states, it's cheaper for us to get the box to somebody in Connecticut than it is to California. So uh, we would love to connect with more Connecticut bands right now. So yeah. somebody wants to break into the music tech industry. They, they have ideas. What, what, what advice do you have for your uh, successors? Well, kind of like uh, most startups, you got to get something done, right? Every once in a while, you know, we're doing these startup things. We talk to folks that have great ideas, but that's it. And Or they say, oh, well, if somebody could just build this for me, I have this great idea, and I just needed a desire to make everything. Just get something done. Put together an MVP of, of something that you can actually show people because once people uh, see that you've actually created something, then they're interested. But people aren't super excited about ideas. It's about execution. And now if you can execute and create something, even if it's crappy but it's a thing, then you can start to optimize that for people to pay you money for it. You know, trying to find investment money for startups, especially in the music industry in Connecticut, is not a smart, <laughs> it's not a great idea. <laughs> it's going to be a hard road. It's not going to be worth the time and energy that you could spend building something that people actually pay for. Uh, most startups, I think, uh, do a really terrible job of understanding customer pain and what they're solving. They start with an idea that they have first and then say, well, at least I should say this is what we did. <laughs> so we started with an idea because we had a problem, and we said, this is great. Maybe other people will use it. Um, but it took us a little while to say, no, what we need to first do is we need to look around and understand the pains that uh, the people that we're trying to reach have and whether or not this even solves it. We interviewed more than 100 uh, artists and musicians and just, you know, no agenda, just said, what's the hardest part of what, about what you do? And they said, we can't make a living making music. You know, the average musician in the U.S. makes less than $35,000 a year. Uh, so we said, okay, so if we could solve this for you, would you want to use this? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Well, we have this box. It costs like $6,000. Do you want to buy one? Dude, we just said we can't make any money making music. Are we going to buy this? So we went around and we said, okay, so we have a solution. We have a way to fix their problem. If we can figure out a way to make this free to the musician up front, all these musicians would use it. And then we were able to get to work at solving that problem. So, you know, for folks, musicians uh, or uh, hardware startups that are just trying to figure out, you know, how to get their feet wet and how to bring a product to market, you got to interview your customers. You got to ask them, you know, what pain can we solve? And, and then go ahead and figure out how you're going to make it uh, solve that pain. That's fantastic. Very nice. Very nice. So uh, cool. So, I mean, again, this is this is very interesting for the for the smaller end um, artist, the, the person that just wants to make a living. Right. I mean, like, again, I, I want to stress that because. Kevin Kelly's a thousand true fans. I mean, we even think about it with Trifecta uh, mm-hmm. it, it, for our weekly harvest, right? If we had a thousand weekly harvest members, <laughs> we we can set up farms uh, a bunch of places, right? Absolutely. Um, so so it, it's about really connecting to that that core uh, audience, that core you know kind of customer that knows that um, through the thick and thin they're going to be with you. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, especially with an artist, they have the the up years and the down years. Some some tracks sound good, some tracks don't. <laughs> so um, and uh, yeah, so uh, this is pretty cool, and uh, it's been uh, it's uh, been interesting to see how you uh, kind of navigate through the industry. Thanks. Yeah, John, uh, you said it a couple times, but if somebody wants, do you get a hold of you? Yeah. So at Record Me Co, you can go to our website www.recordme.co. Uh, you can look us up on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, and through the web. Uh, you can take a look. If you go to YouTube and search recordme.co, uh, you can see some of the videos. You can hear for yourself the difference that RecordMe can make. 
And uh, just again, the business model is, you know, we ship you a box for free. You don't have to pay to use it. Uh, we pre-sell the recordings for you. We handle the delivery for you. So we will just help you as an artist make more money. In fact, generally speaking, if you're already going to go play somewhere, uh, you'll probably double the amount of money that you'll make at the night because you're already playing. You're already hauling all your gear out there. You already have fans coming to see you. So, you know, we can help you just make some more money doing that. Very That's cool. Right. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure you leave us a rating and your favorite uh, podcast listening app, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, etc. And uh, thank you for coming down to the Law Lab. Oh, so glad to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. We would like to thank both Sublime Exposure Online and Mirtha Kalina for providing resources and space to CT Startup, which make this show possible. See you next week.